0: Come on. Really? Kid Rock, you're letting us down, buddy. You are letting us down. Wait till I have to tell you. Wait wait till you hear this. I mean, you're you're just not going to believe it. Maybe you would. Actually, I sort of called this a few months ago. We're going to talk about all that Bud Light is doing to win back conservatives. I don't think it's going to work. But I'll walk you through the whole case. We're going to talk about that. Plus, oh gosh, (laughs) This is, cr- I mean, like we're living in a crazy world. What's the deal with this Satan stuff? I'm sorry, but like enough already. Now you get the satanic temple out in Iowa putting up a big display and, and a former military member who ran for Congress is now in trouble, criminally charged because he tore the thing down. I didn't see quite the uproar over the statues that the left tore down. I mean, think about 2020 and how they were going after founding fathers and, well, the Civil War statues for sure, you know, nothing like it, But, you know, hey, you, you tear down that statue of Satan and my gosh, you unleashed the fury of the left. We got to get into that. And uh, there's some news on what Donald Trump might have taken from the White House. You know, <laughs> I got to tell you, I would get why he would take this stuff. Just saying Because this might be the only thing that clears his name. Deep State is flipping out because apparently... It's very detailed into what they did and how they did it with that whole Russia, Russia, Russia investigation. We have all of those stories and a whole lot more. Welcome to the program, everyone, on this Friday. Good to see you. I am Trish Regan. It's the Trish Regan Show. Portions of the show are brought to you, as always, by our friends over at LegacyPMInvestments.com. I'll tell you, if you're worried about inflation right now, which I know a lot of you still are, rightly so, by the way. I'm in that camp, too. This is what... You need to think about diversification and part of that diversification for a lot of people includes things like precious metals, specifically gold. So if you're someone who's worried and you want to look at some diversification strategies, this is one you could consider. I'm not your financial advisor, but you know what? These guys know this stuff inside and out. They're really wonderful. You've probably met Charles before here on the show. So call them at one 589 560 We will put them in the show notes as well. <clears throat> all right, you ready? Kid Rock, tell us it's not so. I mean, what happened to the guy that was so angry with Bud Light? He did that whole stunt that went viral on social media. Remember this, the bum-bum-bum-bum-bum to the cans? <laughs> Grandpa's feeling a little frisky today. Let me uh say something to all you and be... As clear and concise as possible. That's what I'm talking about. What happened to that guy? You know, we kind of liked that guy. He, He was like, you know, not messing around. Well, that guy may have had a change of tune. You know, I reported on this a couple months ago, and you guys were like, no, 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 Trish, that's not a Bud Light can in that picture. Guys, can we show this picture? Because we have two pictures. And this stuff was all over the internet. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if Bud Light has paid him some kind of endorsement deal. And somebody took a photo while he was there at that concert and then leaked it <clears throat> leaked it to the media to somehow make it be known that Bud Light and Kid Rock might not have as rocky a relationship as you thought. And you guys were like, no, no, couldn't be true, right? Like he wouldn't do that. (laughs) I was like, well, I don't know, you know, maybe if they pay him enough money. Now, I don't know if they paid him anything, but he's now coming around and coming around and coming around. I want you to see this interview that he just did with our friend Tucker, who just started his own thing, uh, the Tucker Carlson Network. He sat down with the legendary Kid Rock who said, you know what? Like, it's over. I'm moving on. I forgive Bud Light. Hmm. Let's watch. And And so somebody wasn't watching the hen house. They're riding high and mighty as number one, and a fox gets in. Yes, it was a mistake. So do I want to hold their head underwater and drown them because they made a mistake? No, I think they got the message. Like, hopefully other companies get it too. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think the punishment that they've been getting at this point fits the crime. It's like I would like to see people get us back on board and become bigger because that's the America I want to live in. Well, it's better to So that's it? You're willing to totally forgive him, Kid Rock? I don't know. I don't know if the rest of the conservative community is willing to come around. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if the rest of the conservative community had a deal, they'd come around. We know that UFC came around, right? Dana White, he's totally like on board with Bud Light, but there's $100 million at stake. There's a reason, in other words. <clears throat> the UFC... Just signed a 100 plus million dollar deal with Bud Light. So, Bud Light's going to be advertised at all these UFC things. And so, of course, of course, Dana White, who runs UFC, is like, sure, I love Bud Light. I love Bud Light so much. In fact, he thinks it's now the most patriotic thing in the world to drink Bud Light. He's being paid, of course, to say that. Let's watch him. Actually, interestingly, also on top. I'm wondering when Tucker's going to get the deal with Bud Light. He doesn't drink, so that, that might not work. But anyway, let, let's see Dana White, who runs UFC, talking Bud Light. i tell you what. If you consider yourself a patriot, right, you're a patriot, you should be drinking gallons of Bud Light. Believe me when I tell you. Wait, wait, wait. I should be gallons. Boycot- I should be boycotting Bud Light. Gallons of Bud Light. You should have Bud Light drums. Stacked up in your garage and drinking it right out of the keg. Uh They are way more aligned with you than most of these other beer companies are. That I guarantee you. Take it from somebody who's in the know who does business with beer companies. You are way more aligned with Bud Light than you are with any other beer company. I mean, they didn't come into partnership with you by accident. Well, that's a heck. Obviously. We have an endorsement. I mean, he's saying they are way more aligned with you than any other beer company. And look, he is a trusted guy. He's such a trusted guy that the crowd went wild when he showed up at fight night a few weekends ago at Madison Square Garden with none other than quite a cast. We're talking the former president of the United States, who, if you look at these polls, might be the next president of the United States, Tucker Carlson, Kid Rock, and Dana White there. Look at all together the crowd back in town. (laughs) With Mick Ultra behind them. That'll be replaced soon by Bud Light. So you see that everybody's cheering. This is a conservative crowd, obviously, right? Given the former president's presence, Tucker Carlson, Kid Rock. And now you people saying, hey, we're back on the Bud Light bandwagon. I don't know. You know, like I said, money talks. Money talks, and I, I, I don't know whether or not Kid Rock has done a deal, but his buddy is Dana White, and Dana White did a deal. In fact, apparently, the other beer in in, in, in like that might have had the opportunity for this in contention for this gig was actually Modelo. So Modelo had the spot. Modelo is a rival beer company, that would be Molson. So there's AB InBev, Anheuser-Busch InBev, which is not really an American beer company anymore. Let's be honest. I mean, it's a combo of like a Brazilian beer company and a European beer company. And then they took the name, Bud, that's the ticker symbol, by the way, Bud, and there's like zillions of beers under that label for AB InBev. And they took the headquarters out of St. Louis, they moved it up to New York City, And everybody that worked in the marketing department was like, you know, foofy New York City, Harvard types. The guy who runs the place is actually a Harvard grad. All the marketing people were Harvard people. And I I just have to, you know, nothing against Harvard. Actually, I have a lot against Harvard. We'll save that for another day, another time. You've heard my rants against Harvard and these Ivy League places right now with their woke insanity. But you have that woke insanity crowd running your business. And all of a sudden, the business doesn't seem to matter anymore. And you go out and you hire influencers that really aren't, shall we say, in keeping with the brand, and you run into problems. I mean, do we have to see this again? We probably should, at least a little snippet of it. Hi. Impressive carrying skills, right? I got some Bud Lights for us. So, I kept hearing about this thing called March Madness, and I thought we were all just having a hectic month. But it turns out it has something to do with sports. And I'm not sure exactly which sport. Just a little something. So you know what's amazing is what happened to the stock price after that little incident. It was just incredible. In fact, I'm going to pull up some of this right now because I want you to, to think about this. I mean, the latest sales numbers we've seen, the company is still struggling pretty significantly with Bud Light sales to distributors off some 30% from where they would typically be. And so that's kind of a problem. And then when you consider where BUD, which is the ticker symbol, its stock price really has has fallen to, that's also very considerable. I mean, talking trillions of dollars in market value that have been wiped out. Now, some of that has recently sort of recovered. I want to actually look at it on the one-year chart basis. And so when I look at it, versus where it was a year ago. It's actually pretty amazing, guys. It's like somebody, somebody kind of like got word. I'm trying to think of the timing of what. I don't think that they signed that deal with Dana White until actually early November. Actually, no, I take that back. It was in October, late October. And so if you look at how the stock price has rallied since late October, it's pretty significant. It's, it's not quite back to where it was On March 30th or even April 3rd of 2023, it was trading actually near $67 a share, but it's still at $62.51 a share. So yeah, I get it. It's still way down, but you can see off the lows that it saw earlier in the year, right before it did that deal with Dana White. And UFC was trading, ooh, this was bad, like down around 53 bucks. So it's rallying back. Is this enough? When you start getting, say, UFC, Dana White, Kid Rock, maybe Tucker, although like I said, I don't think he drinks, is endorsing your brand, will that bring back your everyday conservative? I still think the answer is no. I mean, I, I think they just burned a bridge, and it's going to take years, Possibly even a generation to bring back those Bud Light drinkers. So it shows you, you got to be really careful, really, really careful with your brand. There's a, a lot of examples of this right now. When you think of, for example, Fox News and what it has done to its brand, it still thinks it can bring everybody back, right? You know, they get rid of a lot of people that maybe seemed too Trumpy or whatever, they get rid of them or just people that you know, were too too conservative for them. And they think, okay, we can move to the center and their audience isn't with them on that. And so that's challenging for Fox News as a brand. And as I look at that stock as well, and I'm going to look at B class shares. I mean, Fox struggles considerably as well ever since, you know, it's just kind of lost its way. Of course, it has its own set of issues, not just with Dominion, but now, of course, Smartmatic, some two point seven billion dollars that Fox is being sued for. And, you know, like I'm just a big believer in a a lot of diversity in the marketplace for news organizations. I have nothing against this company. I am saddened to see that it's it's struggling as badly as it is. And I think it'll continue to struggle in part just because its insurance costs are going to go through the roof, which is not good for any news company, of course. And because it's a brand identity, like the, the consumer's not... As trusting. And then there's just the other reality that, hey, things are changing, right? Like, hey, Tucker's out there. Did you guys see? Let's take a look at this. His, his his advertisements for his TCN network. Tucker's out there taunting the legacy media. And you know, he's totally right. Corporate media is dead. It's so dead. Because no one of a certain demographic and age group... Is watching it. Everybody's getting their news digitally, on YouTube. Maybe you know he's creating his own network as like an OTT thing. But you get it on YouTube, you get it on Rumble, you get it on Twitter, you get it online, and the corporate media mechanisms that used to deliver that news, certainly in the video space, they're just not going to have a future. How can they have a future when youth today doesn't really understand the whole live TV thing? They understand the live stream. By the way, we're live. We're live here on the Trish Regan Show. A reminder to everyone to make sure you subscribe, to make sure you subscribe, make sure you hit the bell so that you know when we're here. And, and I should point out, we're live on YouTube, we are live on Facebook, and we are live on Rumble. So all of these platforms right now, and I am looking at your comments, and I love hearing from all of you. So if you are uh, listening live, that's great. I'm going to get out to your comments momentarily. Again, seeing so many familiar faces and seeing some new ones. Brian, good to have you here. Hello to you. MJ, good to have you back. So a, a lot of you have even become team members recently. We just started that over on YouTube. So join the Team, send me stuff, send me articles that you're looking at. I am always, always, you can be part of this production team in a way that, hey, we didn't used to have that opportunity to ever do before. But you can join the team, send me stuff that you're looking at. I am always, always on the prowl. But I credit Tucker for going out there starting his own thing. And I do think that this is the future. In other words, why would you ever stay? Fox is going to say, well, okay, we got, you know, this guy and that guy, and we get Hanny and we get Jesse. But Going forward, once you have the brand recognition, why would you stay? If you can go out and do something on your own and have a direct connection to your audience and not be beholden to this corporation, this machine that's breathing down your back, you know, always wanting to see your scripts. I mean, I don't think Tucker had this deal. He had, he had a better contract than I did, but I had to send in my scripts and my commentaries every single day, every single night for approval. And I, I always kind of took offense to that because I thought, shouldn't I just be able to say what I want to say? But they were trying to protect their brand too. Don't forget. I mean, a lot of good that did them. <laughs> $787 million later to Dominion. Uh, it looks like their lawyer guy was not all that great a lawyer, um, shall we say. He was also the guy that wrote the Patriot Act, if that gives you any perspective on him. So he was supposed to protect the company from those legal issues. Apparently, he couldn't do it because $787 million later that their insurance company had to pay, they're now getting sued for two point seven. Million dollars. Anyway, I digress. Like I said, I I wish them no harm. I think that there's a lot of super talented people there. I have a lot of good friends that still work there. It's just that everything's changed. Everything changed almost overnight. And I love it. I love it personally. And I, I think you love it, too. All right. We got more news to cover here. Disney, incidentally, another example of one of those companies. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to make it in this new world. We shall see another stock that has traded down significantly. But the reality is we are living in a new world. And sometimes it's good, like on the media front, and sometimes it's not so good. I mean, this world is getting, shall we say, uh, just a tad crazy, very, very crazy world that we're living in. So I want to turn to that right now with you and cover this story that's coming to us out of Iowa. So, for some reason, Satanism is like taking over everything. I've never heard so much about Satanism as I have this Christmas season, and certainly over the course of the last year. I mean, they had the designer at Target, who also had a satanic line. Apparently, nobody did that due diligence before they decided to let him or her Forgive me. Or they design onesies for kids. Well, now they've got a satanic display. I want you to see this thing out in Iowa in the Capitol building. (laughs) I mean, really? In the the state Capitol building. So somebody was offended, like next to the, the, the nativity scene. All right. So somebody's a little offended by this. Like, why do we have a Satan display at Christmas time? Rivaling the nativity scene. Like, what's that about? Michael Cassidy, who I believe is a former military member and also ran for Congress down in Mississippi, he didn't really like this. So he's out in Iowa and he decided, you know what? I'm going to take the thing down. I'm like really offended. I I think most people would be offended by this thing. Who wouldn't be offended? Like, you don't really want to see that, let alone. Worship that, let alone have it in your state capitol building that's supported by taxpayers. So Michael Cassidy comes along and he takes the thing down and everybody flips out. The left is like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, our satanic temple thing is, is gone. And so they're furious. They're upset. And Michael Cassidy, he did the right thing. He went and turned himself in and he said, you know what? I took it down. So this now brings up a very interesting legal question. He turned himself in. He's being criminally charged. It's like a criminal mischief charge. And yeah, I I just, I think about it and I wonder why it is we didn't see more people criminally charged, I don't know, back in 2020. Remember when all of these groups were tearing down statues of Thomas Jefferson, our founding fathers, And somehow everybody thought that was okay. I want to cut to this video because I think it's important to remember what was going on. Here we are looking at this in Portland, Oregon, June 14th, a group of protesters tearing down Thomas Jefferson, the statue of Thomas Jefferson, at a school. I don't know what happened to those kids, but this was happening all over the country. And the reason they wanted to do this is because of, well, Thomas Jefferson was a slave owner, and therefore we can't honor him at all. Right? You hear the same stuff with George Washington, and they, this has been going on for quite some time, and somehow the left is okay with that. But when Michael Cassidy decides to take down this thing, let's take another good look at this monstrosity, when he goes and takes down this, well, that's just awful, and he's got to get arrested and put behind bars. So this brings up an interesting legal question right now. In other words, should that statue have a right to exist in the state capitol in Iowa? You know, there's a couple things going on. Now, morally, you know, I, I, I commend him. But there's the issue of legally, did he have the right to do that? Legally, he may not have, but, 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 but. This is where it gets interesting. I think that we actually need to examine that again. In other words, where do we draw the line? Why is it that a satanic cult is getting protection from the state, specifically protection from the IRS? There's cults of all kinds, and they apply and say, okay, well, we want to be a religion. The IRS is like, yeah, I don't think so. You know why? You get special tax breaks if you're a religion, comes with a whole different set of breaks and it's, it's good, right? And a whole different set of protections because we do believe in religious freedom. And so we want to honor that. We want to encourage religion. And so there's a tax code set up to do those things. But what about when your religion is a satanic cult? Why should the IRS actually protect that? Shouldn't the IRS be rewarding and encouraging good behavior? And look, I I don't think I'm going out on a limb here saying that, you know, if you're worshiping Satan and all that that means, that's not a good thing. Not at all. Okay. So let's be very clear about this. Meanwhile, they're not really religious, these groups. I mean, obviously you can't be, if you, if you actually believe in what Satan espouses and, and has become in popular culture and in religious culture, you know, how Satan and the devil are viewed within Christianity, then it's, it's literally like the worst thing ever. If you're of the sort of intellectual mind that, you know, Satan's just an idea and really we're not worshiping Satan per se. We're just worshiping this idea that we can be counterculture then how are you a religion? I mean, and that's what they'd say. Like, a lot of them are like, oh, no, no, we don't really believe in the devil. We don't really believe in anything. We don't believe in anything. We don't believe that there's a God. We don't believe that there's hell. We don't believe in the devil. So we're just standing for, like, the opposite, politically the opposite. Well, at that point, you're just a political organization. Thank you very much. And you're using and manipulating the tax code and the benefit of you being, quote, religion for political purposes, So I love that Michael Cassidy turned himself in, and I love that he is probably going to take this thing all to court. And what he's doing is effectively challenging the use of tax code and legal laws that are on the books, theoretically, to protect these religions that aren't religions. So this is actually really, really important right now. Especially as we see just all of these you know, people, I believe there was a case in Connecticut of the satanic temple wanting to have an after-school club at school. And the school was like, okay, so what's so the taxpayer dollars are going to go to fund the satanic club and the after-school for fourth graders? Well, the town was like, well, I guess we have to do this, right? Because it's free speech and it's freedom of religion. And the parents are like, no, we don't have to do this. The taxpayers are like, no, we don't have to do this. And I'm here to say, no, you don't have to do this. But maybe it's time that we actually put it on the books because I guarantee you the founding fathers had no intention, ladies and gentlemen, no intention of having a display like that one opposite the nativity scene in Iowa, in the state capitol building. All right, enough already. Like, let's not kid ourselves. The fact, again, I'll go back to this, that the left is celebrating the taking down the defacing of statues As they have done for the last several years, we can all remember the protests in Portland. This one happened in June of 2020. Let me tell you, the fact that they're okay with this, but furious that somebody would dare to take down a statue of Satan. That tells you just about everything you need to know. Meanwhile, the Satan thing, it's like taking over everything this Christmas, right? I mean, I've never, I've got my Christmas stuff, my Christmas outfit on, my Christmas sweater, shall we say. It's like everywhere you go, you keep hearing more about this. The searches are up online. I read a story in the Telegraph the other day that said the number of people that are identifying as Satanists is way up. What's going on? Well, you think about it, even in music and in pop culture. And Doja Cat, well, she's she's kind of, you know, dedicated herself or at least a recent album to Satan. And then, and then she comes off saying, well, why is it that people think I'm a Satan worshiper? I got to play this clip for you. I got, I got to have you see this because she's perplexed. She's, she doesn't understand. She's like, why would people see me? By the way, if you don't know who she is, she's like this big deal musician. Sometimes she likes to talk like a cat actually will communicate in meows. That was her trick at the big shindig at the Museum of Fine Arts, you know, the one that, what's that, Anna Winter somebody puts on, and she dressed in this cat costume and just spoke in meows, and what, we're supposed to communicate back to her in meows? So she's kind of a stunt artist. Understand that. He stunts, but... One of the stunts was dressing up as Satan, and then she sat down for this interview recently on this podcast, and said to the guy, "I I don't understand. Why does everybody think that I'm a Satanist?" Watch, art. I like this visual for this sound, so I chose that visual and I applied it to the sound, and people made up what they want, which is what you do with art. You you it means yeah, you interpret it how you want to interpret it. Everybody has the right to interpret it how they want. But this whole like, you're Satanist. Very confident, Satanism thing is like, I'm sorry. When the did I say that I was a Satanist? When did I ever say anything, or even go marching outside outside the church talking about? No. When the did I say that? Anyway, it's just it's really it's really tacky. Maybe maybe, Doja Uh Cat. Let me just advance this theory. Maybe it's not always what you say. Maybe it's sometimes what you do and how you look and how you act. Let's cut to this album cover because boy oh boy, certainly seems like she's channeling Satan to me. What do you guys think? Curious as I look at your comments here online. Yeah, yeah, you agree, right? Because you know, for her to sit there and say, I don't understand why people think this of me. I bet money talks here, too. I bet somebody's concerned in the advertising community that she's not a good influence, right? Because she's channeling Satan and she's trying to get out there saying, oh, why would they think that? It's just art. That's all it is. (laughs) I'm looking at you guys and your comments. I mean, the fact that this woman has any kind of career whatsoever is pretty darn disappointing. Disappointing. Speaking of artists that really shouldn't have careers, I'm going to jump out of order on this show and I'm going to get over to this wacky Christmas decor that we saw at the White House. Let's see this because you want to talk about people and their careers and actually using things in Doja Cat's defense. She's just trying, you know, she's using this evil stuff. Well, in this particular, you know, okay, maybe they're talented, maybe they're not. I don't know. But I, I I guess I'm so distracted by the political message of this particular dance troupe, we can talk about the decorations later because it really does look like a circus act. But here's this dance troupe that's supposed to be doing like the Nutcracker, as Jill Biden described it at the White House. But you see, it's it's Duke Ellington, who, by the way, I love. My dad was a jazz pianist. I grew up playing jazz piano myself. I am a big Duke Ellington fan. So it's not the Nutcracker, which would be Tchaikovsky. Thank you very much but they're dressed like nutcrackers. Um, Oftentimes you can't even see their feet. Now you are seeing their feet here. It's supposed to be some kind of celebration of American tap. Um, Wow. It's just, wow. So the the problem I have with all of this, and we can keep watching it, and you can continue to assess their tap dancing skills. Sometimes, as I said, you don't even see their feet. But what's interesting is that the company's founder, Is a woman who is all about DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. Her name is Michelle Dorrance, and she's got this Dorrance dance company. And it's come out that she's just motivated entirely by this anti-woke, anti-racism. She's all about wokeism. I mean, it's now been reported on, I believe this is from Daily Mail. We've also seen it in the New York Post, I want to quote from her website. She's a white woman who has this dance troupe that is channeling, um, I guess, just a, a lot of diversity and equity and this sort of thing. She writes, I am a white tap dancer with black cultural ancestors in a society that privileges white people and whiteness. This is what she's saying, writing on her website. So this is Michelle Dorrance, I guess who's white. And she writes, why anti-racism work is important to me. Quote, I am easy for white audiences wanting to access and experience elements of black culture to swallow. My whiteness is the reason you may have heard of me before two of my inspirations. And then she cites a couple of tap dancers and she said, it's imperative for me And those who look like me to acknowledge that. It is imperative for us to fight against racist norms that have defined American culture since its very origins. Um, What I would just say, and and I say this from a a place of love, in that I have a a very significant art and music background. Some of you know this about me, some of you don't, but long before I was at Columbia as an early American history major and somebody who studied a lot of economics. I actually started off in in the arts in singing and in music, and I was always struck by the lack of discrimination in arts and music and just the purity of the music itself and the talent of the artists as something that always prevailed. And you can go back, if you look in the classical music space, to opera, and I'm not saying it was perfect, like, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think that the, the first... Uh, You know, opera singers certainly had a hard time, but it was better in that field than probably in in many others, including in academia or anything else. And so you had a lot of singers, even Marian Anderson, famous American singer, who was celebrated overseas in Europe because she was so talented. She had a rougher time back here at home, but she eventually became quite a star here in the U.S. I say this because art should be art. You shouldn't be defining yourself by the color of your skin. And trust me, there have been a lot of successful tap dancers. I don't necessarily, black and white, I don't necessarily think they're going around saying, okay, I'm black or I'm white and I am defining my art through that. No, the art needs to exist for art's sake. This is the entire problem with picking people because of the color of the skin as opposed to the talent and merit that they have. Because then it's not about the quality of the product. It's not about the art itself. It's about something else entirely. They've had this issue actually recently with orchestras in the U.S. So it still exists. And many people are mad about this, including some of these op-ed writers at the New York Times and the L.A. Times. It still exists that there's a curtain up when you audition for an orchestra as an orchestral member. So if you're a violinist or a flautist or a pianist or whatever you go behind a curtain they have no idea if you're male or female they have no idea if you're trans or gay or anything else they don't know if you're asian if you're black if you're white if you're purple like they don't know anything right they just listen to the music and they decide whether or not you're going to make the orchestra based on that and that only And so people are flipping out. They're like, oh, no, no, because we need to make sure that we have some black violinists and this and that. And it's like, wait a second, like, isn't this actually what you want? Isn't that the purest form of achieving the greatness for the art itself, like not actually looking at the color of somebody's skin or what sex they are? So this white woman, Michelle Dorrance, has figured out she can make a lot of money if she just sinks her teeth into this DEI stuff, says she's here to help as a white person, black tap dancers and make that all come to life. Forget about whether or not they're they're good at dance. So we, we've seen some of this kind of over and over again. You may be following the story at MIT, Bill Ackman, the hedge fund guy, very uh, successful hedge fund guy who's taken on this academia wokeness, Specifically, is it related to the kids at Harvard who were promoting this Hamas stuff? Well, he's been looking at a guy over at MIT who's head of the board. Apparently, his wife has some DEI charity, and he's got some tweets on on this that he put out last night. I mean, huge allegations, huge allegations, and I want to be careful with them because they're just allegations. But effectively, Bill Ackman's accusing this guy of some kind of tax fraud through this DEI charity. They're like running money allegedly through that and saving money on taxes. I don't know exactly all the details of it. We can talk about it some more next week as more comes out, but they're pretty serious allegations. And I think one, once again, if they're true, what it's underscoring is that this diversity, equity, inclusion platform provides a tremendous opportunity for a lot of corruption because Suddenly, it's no longer about the normal stuff. It's like, dare I say, Bud Light over and over again. Let's cut back. I mean, Dylan Mulvaney, great example, right? Nobody at that, at that organization seemed to be caring about selling beer. They just wanted to expand, expand, and be something different, be more equitable and more inclusive. And so the answer was somehow, Dylan? Hi, impressive carrying skills, right? I got some Bud Lights for us. So, I kept hearing about this thing called March Madness, and I thought we were all just having a hectic month, but it turns out it has something to do with sports. And I'm not sure exactly which sport, but either way, it's a cause to celebrate. I'll tell you this. AB and Bev learned its lesson. It's stock price tanked, and now it's going hat in hand, having to beg Dana White at UFC to do a brand deal. They succeeded. You know, money talks, 100 million bucks. I don't know what's going on with Kid Rock, but somehow Kid Rock is suddenly pro Bud Light, and I don't think any of it's going to matter. I think the conservatives are still disgusted by everything that happened. Conservatives are going to continue to say, you know what? You betrayed me. You betrayed my family. I've been drinking this for years. Listen, I know people down in St. Louis. I mean, it's like a religion down there. Hey, you want to talk about giving IRS tax breaks to these religions, right? It is a religion. They honor Budweiser, or they used to. And so it's changed pretty dramatically Okay, we have some breaking news I want to get to on the political front right now. This is coming to us right now, courtesy of the New York Times. There's an update for you guys, an update on those documents. Those documents that were apparently taken by Donald Trump and moved to Mar-a-Lago. So this story, again, coming from the New York Times, and they apparently have figured out what those documents had in them. And this may give us some insight into just exactly why the deep state is so freaked out because I think they're naming names and more here. So let me share with you this bit coming to us right now from the New York Times, the substance of the material. Again, the material that Donald Trump is alleged to have taken and that is now um, or went to Mar-a-Lago in boxes. They write the substance of the material a redacted version of which has been made public under the Freedom of Information Act and is posted on the website of the FBI, is not considered particularly sensitive, the official said. But but the raw version in the binder contained details that intelligence agencies believe could reveal secret sources and methods. The publicly available version contains numerous portions that were whited out as classified. So you know when you get these classified documents and they go through and they unclassify them, but they don't really unclassify them. It's the Freedom of Information Act, known as a FISA, that got filed. And so they're like, okay, we've got to strike this out, this out, this out, this out. But in this particular case, what they're saying is the stuff that's in there that the public saw, right? Like it was all whited out for the public. Well, Donald Trump has the original Documents that are not whited out. And these documents detail exactly what happened in the whole Russia, Russia, Russia thing. Remember the investigation into that so called dirty dossier that they tried to present as truth when the entire thing was made up and was part of an opposition research initiative that was bought and paid for by Hillary Clinton's campaign. So this is what enabled them to actually put a wiretap on one of Trump's campaign workers back in 2016. And so this particular document, according to the New York Times, has very intricate details about all the steps and all the things that Deep State did in order to initiate this effort to try to take down Donald Trump before he ever came to office. So that's kind of a doozy, right? You might actually understand why he wanted it. I mean, you know, like if they're going to tear it up. Don't you want to have those documents maybe just to protect yourself in the future? It's kind of important that America know exactly what happened. The timing of this is actually incredibly interesting as well. So the New York Times frames it as, oh my gosh, he took those documents. He took those documents. He took those documents and he shouldn't have taken those documents. And just doing that in and of itself was illegal. It's very interesting timing because you'll recall, I think a lot of people on the left are very, very nervous. I I don't know if the team can pull this sound for us right now. It's something that I did play yesterday. I'm going to throw it out there. And if we don't, if we can't get it, I understand. But there was a clip on CNN of this guy that I guess is one of their political analysts. I'd never heard of him, but he came from the Daily Beast. And he wanted us to know that, whoo, like, I mean, we could be heading towards a collision course because he's fearful that the, he's fearful that the Supreme Court is actually going to make a decision that makes it such that the government should not have gone after Trump the way it did or the 300 individuals that it went after. So if that happens, then he's saying, oh, basically the Supreme court's okaying a coup. Like it's just important to understand how much is at stake and how much people in the deep state are terrified because of these documents that he took and because of what it could expose and what it might mean, right, for the future? Let's cut to this. The guys have it. Thank you, thank you. Good one. All right, so let's cut to this soundbite from CNN with this guy who's like, "Whoa, it could be, you know, Pandora's box." I'm not sure if we have the volume on sure that. Oh, the where? There we, oh, there we go. Oh, maybe not. Okay, we can, we can try again. We're going to try and get the volume. But you know, basically, bottom line here is mainstream media, deep state, rhino-type Republicans, a lot of people, like I get it, they're, they're really worried about this guy. They're really worried about Trump because he's been right just a little too much. And now he's got the goods on them in terms of whatever may have gone down. I kept saying... You know, those of you that have known me or watched me for a long time, I, I remember it's like, what is this document? Like what? when they had the, the dossier in the beginning, I was like, this does not read like an intelligence document. It just doesn't read like that. I saw it and I actually didn't publish it because I felt like it was irresponsible to publish it. But I, I saw that. I was like, you know, this is not, this is not a piece of intelligence. This looks like something that belongs in the National Enquirer. It looks like opposition research. Gee, I wonder, opposition research, could it be? Would it be? And sure enough, that's exactly what it was. And it was just so strange and so morbid when you think about it. So you've got Hillary Clinton hiring this law firm and goes out and hires this opposition research organization started by some former investigative reporters, that used to work in pretty good places like the Wall Street Journal, they then go out and hire a former spy who um, lived in London and had a lot of good sources, I guess, in Russia, who then goes out and hires a guy who, at the time, the FBI was concerned about being none other than a Russian spy. Lovely, right? And they put together this document, and they start peddling it around. And that's what eventually led, of course, to this wiretap, of Donald Trump's campaign staff, and an attempt to try and take him down before he ever even got to the Oval Office. So it's pretty messed up stuff. And I think that that's likely what could come out if Donald Trump were to ever declassify these documents. And that's why they're classified in such a way. And that's why he represents such a threat. I mean, that and many, many other reasons. Did we get the the soundbite? now senior, senior political yeah, analyst john avalon john i want to go back to the trial delays for donald trump not the legal side but his federal election trial might get delayed past march 4th it might never get hurt if he wins he would throw it out aside from the legal implications what are the moral implications of that the moral implications the constitutional implications are massive for our country because as you have pointed out you know without accountability Uh, An attempt to overturn an election, a slow motion coup, is just practice. It's a green light if there's no accountability for this. And the implications uh, down the line are striking, right? I mean, you know, for example, if people at the Supreme Court... The the reason this is important, guys, is because he's suggesting that if the Supreme Court doesn't rule on this the way he and others would like them to rule, that effectively they're wrong. Now, that would actually set us up for a very, very bad situation because it's called the Supreme Court. I hate to say that for a reason, right? Like, it is the Supreme Court, the supreme law of the land. And yet, there are people on the left that want to see that taken down. I mean, you talk about taking down all these institutions, right? And look, I mean, I'm not saying that these institutions are perfect, and certainly I would be the first to tell you some of them have been so badly corrupted, whether it be the Federal Reserve. Quick reminder, don't forget our sponsor, I'm going to put them in the show notes, is Legacy Precious Metals. If you don't like the Fed and you're worried about um, inflation over the long haul, yes, these are are the guys you call, 1-866-589-0560. Their name is LegacyPMInvestments.com, and you can talk to them about investing in gold. But I I would just say that there's a lot of institutions, whether it be the Federal Reserve, whether it be Harvard University, University of Pennsylvania— all of these schools, MIT, these places that we revered, right, that were supposed to be so phenomenal, that have just turned into politically charged organizations. We don't have respect for these institutions anymore, certainly not these, uh, you know, lettered an acronym organizations in our government. I mean, that's the sort of effectively the deep state everybody keeps talking about. So while we don't have any respect for these institutions, it's understandable in light of everything that has happened and everything has got exposed. And the the left really hates this exposure. And so Donald Trump is part of that part of that mechanism that's exposing all of this stuff. Independent media creators, right? We're part of the problem too. I think, as far as a lot of people are concerned. Which is why, again, I'll just remind you, if you have not subscribed, do me that favor, subscribe to the channel, hit thumbs up, share this, like this, get the word out. It's all organic. We are doing this very, very organically, just one by one. So I'm very proud that we're up to 170 some odd thousand followers on YouTube with 250,000 on Facebook and over 250,000, I believe now, on Rumble as well. So thank you for all of your support. It really, really, really does matter. It's a challenging time. It's a very challenging time. Don, good to see you here again. Uh, captain Lurk, yeah, N- NSA, part of the captain. Look, I, I think it's, it's actually really frightening that these people are, are in so much of a CYA mode that they would try to take down anyone that might expose them. I mean, what has happened to us as a country? What has happened to us as a nation, We're coming up on a 300-year day. Unfortunately, you know, that, I mean, dare I say, I mean, could that be it, right? We're just going to make it to year 300 and let China take over? We become France? I I don't know. I mean, if we don't actually get a hold of this situation and start valuing the things that we have historically valued, and by that, I mean, to be those red-blooded American capitalists we always have that are, are... concerned with the preservation of this meritocracy that we allow people to move up, that you have that upward mobility and it has nothing to do with what you look like and the color of your skin. If we don't preserve that, what are we? If we don't preserve our love of the nuclear family and the importance of community and the importance of good religion, not Satanism for goodness sakes, like what, what are we going to become? Is that 300 your birthday going to be like, good night, America? I hope not. I hope not. This country is too important, stands for too much. We need to preserve that. We need to protect it, and we need to grow it. So I think they're, they're worried. They're really, really worried that this is just going to expose too much should Donald Trump get back in power. And they're going to try and do everything they can to prevent that, unless, of course, the Supreme Court stands in the way of that, which they could, because the Supreme Court in general tends to be pretty much, you know, straight shooters. You look at all of their legal decisions and whether or not, you, I mean, it's not politically expedient. Let's put it this way, for the Supreme Court to have come out in favor of throwing abortion back to the states. That was not a politically astute necessarily move to do. Now, you know, a lot of people that are pro-life, they're thrilled, of course, but what it might wind up doing is making it more difficult for a lot of conservatives to get elected at the state level because everything becomes a referendum on this one issue and this one issue only. Now, legally, I think you can look constitutionally and say it was absolutely the right thing to do, but no Supreme Court was ever willing to take that on because they just thought that the political implications were too significant. And yet this Supreme Court did. So I, I look at that and I highlight that because I do think and I hope that the Supreme Court in this case will do the right thing. I don't know all the particulars of the case, but I'm hoping that Donald Trump and the 300 people get a very fair trial. And if we're not willing to accept the outcome of whatever the Supreme Court decides, then we do have that full on meltdown that could actually derail us. As we approach our 300th birthday of this great, wonderful country. Oh. <laughs> With that in mind, I want to go out to some comments and then we get to talk about those Christmas decorations. We, we looked at them yesterday a little bit. I know we looked at them earlier in the context of DEI, but let's just look at them aesthetically together, shall we? Let's take a look. So Jill Biden is very proud to announce that she's got a new spin on the Nutcracker. And the first thing I thought was, oh, my gosh, you know, I've walked down that hallway. That's uh, right near the Rose Garden. And this this is frightening to me. This looks a little bit like um some kind of weird circus, circle soleil type thing. It's not exactly Christmassy um, and it's not exactly classy. It, there's just a lot of weird characters. I think I told you yesterday that one of my friends, this was the best. He said, it looks like a non-binary acid trip. <laughs> it just, that just blew me away. It totally blew me away. You know, it's just, it's just weird. Okay. Yeah. Weird. And yet the left loves it. Sad that Christmas decorations have to just become political, right? The left loves it. And yet they trashed over and over again the Trump administration's decorations that were brought to us courtesy of Melania Trump. So just in a compare and contrast mode here, take a look. So these are Melania Trump's decorations. Really nice, right? Like red, white, and blue. Kind of a nice theme. Tranquility is nice, especially around Christmas. You know, let's just keep it simple. Keep it simple because we're remembering the birth of Jesus Christ And those are gorgeous. I mean, positively, absolutely gorgeous, really classic. The media hated them, of course. They hated the red decorations. Remember, she had the red trees, and they said, oh, it was like Satan. Wait a second. Don't they like Satan now? They're really confusing me. But this was another year, and she had white and blue and red, and they were just absolutely gorgeous. But she didn't get any credit for them, no. Not by the media. The media didn't like this. Not one single bit. You see... Everything, everything is being seen through the lens of this DEI stuff, politics, and unfortunately, this is why we are losing our way. A reminder to subscribe. It is so good to see you all. I want to go out and Abel Windsor, good to see you again back here. I know you're very familiar to all of us here. And, um, you know, again, I, I appreciate all of this support and all of the commentary it's really it's really neat to, to have this kind of exchange and to have this kind of back and forth. Todd Andrews, thank you. Happy Friday to you. Todd is a new member of the Trish Regan team here, so I want to celebrate him for that, just pinning him to the top of the conversation. Thank you so much. Hey, Mark, it is uh, great to see you as well, and Mark is a supporter of the channel, so I want to thank you, Mark, for that. We, we, we love that. Like it really, it, you know, it means a lot. And I I appreciate that because you guys are in this together with me and we're going to, we're going to make this succeed together. I would not have the ability to do this without all of you. (laughs) Jake likes my sweatshirt, right? Like it's, it's, I guess it's a sweatshirt. Yeah. It's not really like a sweater, but it's a Christmas sweatshirt. (laughs) it's so good to see you. I want to thank you all for being here. I'm going to be back with you on Monday. We're going to have some clips out all through the weekend. So do me a favor, share them, comment on them. Know that I look at all the comments. I read them all. I really do. I promise you that. I try to respond to a lot of them. I don't get to everything, but just know that I am reading them and I appreciate your involvement. We'll talk again on Monday. Thanks.